Good morning. It sounds like there are a lot of good conversations going on right now, and I hate to interrupt, um, uh, but I encourage you to continue your conversations after we're done here this morning. But welcome. Uh, good morning to you all. Glad to be here with you. Before I get started, I have a question to ask you. How many of you know me? How many people here know me? Let's see a show of hands. Who knows who I am? Let's see. Okay, that's like maybe 75% of the room. Some people I know know me aren't raising their hands, but that's okay. <laughs> there we go. I'm not hurt. So most of the people in this room know me. For anyone who, is, who doesn't know me, my name is Ben Schultz. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. Now, you all know me. Let me ask you another question. Of you people who knew me, how many of you know what my greatest fear is? If you know it, don't say it out loud. We don't need to say it. Just to show a hands, how many of you know what my greatest fear is? So of the, like, I don't know, 70, 80 people who know me, there's only one, two, three, four who know my, oh, five, six, who know what my greatest fear is. Um, like I said, my name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors, and I also have to introduce, this is my family over here. This is my wife, Chelsea, and three of my kids. And so those are the ones who really know me. See what I'm saying? Um, the rest of you know me. You know my name. You recognize my face. You know my position here at the church. But you don't know me the same way that these guys do. In the same way, there are a lot of people who know about Jesus. They know that he's the Son of God. They know that he was born at Christmas time. They know that he died on a cross for our sins. They know that he lives somewhere on a shiny throne with God or something like that. They know stuff about him, but do they really know him? Do they know his heart? Do they know what he's like? Do they know what he thinks? So that's the question I want to pose to you is how well do you know Jesus? How well do you know him? Do you consider him to be an acquaintance? you consider him to be a friend? We are kicking off, or we're in the second of our new series called I Am. And this series is based on seven statements that Jesus made about himself. It's called the I Am series because all of the statements start with the words, I am. Seven things that Jesus said about himself. And we want to look at those, not to learn more information about him, to get to know who he is. And it's my prayer that this series, as we go through these seven statements, will be an opportunity for you to feel closer to him, to feel like you're a friend of his, to feel like you've heard a little bit of his heart. Amen? Are you guys with me? So like I said, I work here at the church. My official title is um, associate pastor. But in that job description, I'm learning that it covers a lot, of, a lot of different things. So I oversee the youth ministry. Um, I oversee our small groups. Um, I oversee uh, our media team. Thank you, media team. You guys are awesome. Um, I oversee the office. Uh, I oversee the uh, ministry of electric guitar playing over here. Um, I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats. Um, but one of the most important ones is I oversee the ministry of, why isn't the Wi-Fi working? Let's see. Very important ministry here in our church. 
Um, and so recently, we were trying to improve the Wi-Fi signal in the building. And uh, so what we did is we, we moved where some of the access points were to try to make them a little bit better. And so one of the areas we were really working on uh, is in our kids' wing. For those of you who don't have kids and don't know, our kids' wing is right beneath our sanctuary. You probably know this because you can usually hear them when they're down there, um, but it's right beneath us. And if you go down there, you'll see that there is a um, hallway, like right here, that runs down the center of the, this wing, wing, and then there's classrooms on either side. So I promise I'm going somewhere with this. So to improve the Wi-Fi signal, we decided the best thing to do was to put a Wi-Fi router in the center, in the hallway, in the center of those rooms, so it could evenly disperse all those areas, okay? Um, and so it, we put it in the ceiling of the hallway centered between these classrooms, which I would say is probably right about here-ish. Like, I'm on the floor, but on the ceiling, on the bottom side, there's a Wi-Fi uh, router. If you go down there, you'll see it. And so we had to install it right there. We found that the easiest way to install it was in this office right here, there was a wireless connection, and then there was some cable. So we figured, okay, best thing we'll do would be run that cable out to this access point and then install it in the ceiling right there. So what we did was uh, Pastor John went down in the hallway and he drilled a hole up into the ceiling and then he put a light up there. And then I climbed in this little access way over here. I climbed into this, in this corner of the building. Um, now between the ceiling below us and the floor we're standing on, there is like maybe like a two-foot crawl space. Okay, I want you to envision that crawl space, okay? Like that, okay? There's a crawl space. So I climbed in, and then I had to make my way from that corner over to here, which might not seem that far, but it's not a straight shot. You can't just crawl straight here, because in that space, there are um, joists that run this way, and then in some places they run that way, and then there's cross beams you have to maneuver. It, it's tricky. And so Pastor John drilled a hole, and he put a light in there. So when I climbed down in there, I looked for the light, because I had to make my way up here, and then turn, and then crawl through here, and then turn. And the whole time, I was following the light, because there's a lot of other things up in there that I had to crawl around, and... You know, it's a good thing I was following that light. Otherwise, I might have got lost down there. I'd still be down there right now. Um, but I had to follow the light to make my way here. And if you haven't guessed it, you probably have. The I am statement that we're going to look at today is, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I had to follow that light to get where I was going. Um, I'm going to read a verse. It's John 8, 12. Here's where Jesus says this. He said, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is probably the shortest passage of scripture I've ever preached a sermon on. So it should be a short sermon, right? Wrong. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will have the light of life. Let me, let me take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed to us who you are. I pray right now in this room, the Holy Spirit would bring this verse to life for us, and it would teach us, and it would uh, challenge us, and it would call us. In your name we pray, 
Amen. Amen. So, we got a real short verse right here. Let's look at it. What can we learn about Jesus from this verse? Well, the first thing we can see is very, very simple, is that he is the light of the world. It's like the sun, okay, which is literally the light to our world. But think about the sun. There's not a single person on this giant planet that we live in that is not affected by the sun. There's not a single human being of the billions of us that are on this planet that do not see the sun, or do not have access to the sun, don't feel the warmth of the sun and the light of the sun every day. It's incredible how it covers us day in and day out. Every person. In the same way, there's not a single human on this, in this world that isn't affected by the light of Jesus. There's not a single person who has ever existed that hasn't seen the light of Jesus. Not everybody responds to it, not everybody follows it, not everybody walks in it, but there's not a single person who hasn't received the light of Jesus. In fact, in the first chapter of John, John writing, he says that Jesus is the true light and he gives light to every single person. So whoever you are, this applies to you. Or maybe you're thinking of somebody else, and you're thinking, well, maybe that person, doesn't, that person doesn't have a lot of light. I'm telling you, anybody you can think of, Jesus is shining light on them. So, but what does it mean to say that he is the light of the world? So in this verse, we see light and we see darkness. And dar- light and darkness are, of course, a metaphor. So let's just take a minute to, to talk about, like, what do those metaphors mean? Well, very simply, you know, anyone who has seen Star Wars knows that the, the light is good and the dark side is bad, right? It's pretty simple. But I think there's more to it than just good and bad. Um, light, think about it with me for a moment, light is the ability to see. If there's no light, you can see nothing. Are you guys with me? Everyone's still awake? Um, so if you were in a room and it was totally dark and there were no windows, you could see nothing. If you were out in a moonless night and it was, you could see nothing. Light is our ability to see. The more we see, the more we know, the more we understand. So light not only represents the seeing, but it represents knowledge. It represents understanding. It represents um, truth, because I can see what's really going on. And the more we see, the more we know, the more truth we have, the better the decisions we can make. We can say, oh, I see what's happening. I can see where I should walk. I can see what I should do. So light also represents um, wisdom and guidance and even courage. Like, oh, okay, I can clearly see what's in front of me. I can move forward confidently. So light is seeing and it's truth and it's confidence. Darkness is basically just the opposite of all of those things. Darkness represents the inability to see, and because I can't see, I don't know. So darkness represents confusion or lack of clarity, like I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I don't understand what's around me. Um, And then from that, because you don't understand, darkness represents fear or worry or doubt. Because imagine you're in a space and it's totally black and He's like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to move forward? Am I supposed to stand here? Like, I don't know what's around me. When we're unclear about the situation, we can become very fearful. We can do very unwise things. 
just imagine with me for a minute. Maybe this has happened, actually. But imagine that you wake up in the middle of the night because um, you hear a noise in your room. And you sit up, but the light hasn't turned on yet. Your eyes haven't adjusted, so you can't see anything. But you know that there's something in the room. There's something happening. Tell me what you feel right now. You probably feel a little bit worried, right? You're like, oh, no, what's going on? Is someone in my room? And then you turn your light on, and you can see, and you realize... Maybe your cat climbed up on a dresser or something. And suddenly, like, oh, that's what I was afraid of, this little, little curt, furry little ball of cuteness. That's what was terrifying me. But in the dark, I don't know what it is. I can't see what it is. All I can see, all I know is there's something that's in my room, and it's scary. Little things become very scary when you can't see them clearly. And that's also a metaphor. Things in your life, can be very scary if you can't see clearly what's going on. That's why light is important. So I would say the most important thing about this metaphor, the most important thing that light represents to us is hope. Light is hope. Imagine with, with me, imagine if you were uh, you know, on a boat, you're, maybe you're a fisherman and you go, you go out in a boat and it's dark. And the, the sun sets and the moon doesn't come out and it's a dark night. And you've, you know, sailed out of ways in the water. And you realize you're surrounded by darkness. What are you going to do? And then you see the lights of shore. Maybe there's a light on your dock or a lighthouse even or something. And you see that light. And as long as you can see that light, you know, I can make it home. As long as you see that light, you have hope. Because you know where you got to go. Without light you wouldn't know. You would be lost. I don't know which direction to row in or sail in. I don't know where I'm going, but I can see the light, and I know where to go. So light gives us hope. So when we say that Jesus is the light of the world, I propose what we're really, really saying is that Jesus is hope for everyone. Jesus is hope for everyone. And I got good news. That hope is not limited to good people. That hope is not limited to church people. That hope is not limited to uh, you know, those who know the Bible and those who come to church on Sunday. Jesus is hope for everyone. Just like the sun shines on every person on our planet, Jesus gives hope to every single person. Regardless of your level of faith, regardless of your track record, regardless of your, your addiction, your failed marriage, your financial status, your race, your gender, your sexual orientation. Jesus gives hope for everyone. And that's what's so beautiful about this. This is a short, short verse, but it gives us so much truth here. Because think, think about this. Whether I'm talking to, let's say, a young child who's afraid of the dark, Jesus gives her hope. I'm talking to a middle-aged man who's facing bankruptcy. Jesus gives hope. Maybe we're talking to an elderly woman who only has a month left to live. Jesus gives us hope. No matter how old you are, no matter what you're facing, he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, if Jesus is the light of the world, if Jesus is hope for everyone, what are we going to do about it? So, as I look at this verse... I see two options. So we look at the second sentence. It says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I think what is implied by that is whoever does 
not follow me then could possibly walk into darkness. So we see two options. We can follow Jesus and never walk in darkness, or we cannot follow him and walk into darkness. So my deep spiritual point for you, my advice for you is follow Jesus. Don't walk into darkness. Don't walk into fear. Don't walk into worry. Don't walk into uncertainty. Follow Jesus. Now, it's easy to follow, I was thinking about this, it's easy to follow somebody in the daytime. You know, if someone's like, hey, I want to take you, I want to show you, I want to show you something cool, follow me. And you're following them, but you can also see where they're going. So you're not that worried, right? You're like, okay, I can see they're leading me to, you know, something cool over here. I'm going to go over there. But what if it's the middle of the night and it's dark and someone says, hey, come follow me. And you can't see where they're headed. All you can see is that person. All you're trusting is that person. You don't know where they're going. You don't know what they know. You don't know what they see. You're just following them. And the same thing is what happens with Jesus. And that's what makes it tricky. Because sometimes he'll say, follow me. And you, you want to say, sure, tell me where we're going. Sure, I'll follow you. Tell me how this situation works out. Tell me how this is something good. But he doesn't always do that. He just says, trust me and follow me. I promise you it's going somewhere good. So, and this verse that we says, it clearly says, Whoever follows him will have the light of life. We talk about light and darkness. And the promise, if you look at it, the promise isn't necessarily that you will never walk through darkness, but it says you will have light in your life. The Message Bible uh, phrases it this way. It says, you will have plenty of light to live in. You will have enough light to walk in. There might be darkness around you. There might be hard things you have to walk through, but there will be enough light for you to walk in. And as you walk through hard times, as you walk through scary things and difficult things, you will have understanding. You will have knowledge. You will have confidence. You will have courage. You will have hope. Because that's what he promised us. Several years ago, I personally went through um, a, a kind of a difficult season. It was when I was like in my early 30s. Um, my wife and I had been married for several years. We had three kids, and um, we were doing pretty good, but I had been in ministry for a little while. If I'm being honest, I was, being, I was feeling a little bit discouraged at that point. Um, you know, things for us were very tight financially. Um, we had two cars, but it always seemed like at least one of them was broken, I was always fixing one. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that place in life, or as soon as you fix one vehicle, the other one has a problem. Um, there, was a, oh, there was a leak in our roof, and our roof started leaking. Uh, and so there were some financial things and some you know, stuff to work on there. And I felt like our, my ministry wasn't um, doing as well as I'd hoped. It felt like it was struggling. Uh, I was also working a job, which felt kind of like a dead-end job. And I just sort of felt lost in life. Like, what am I doing and where am I going? You know, I'm working hard and I've got nothing to show for it. I have all these, these things going wrong and it feels like the more I fix things, the more there is to fix. Anybody can relate to that place in life, you know? Now, I eventually came out of that place and because of that, I kind of fell into like a place of discouragement. 
Um, but I eventually came out of that season of discouragement, and there were a couple of important things that happened, but I remember one significant moment that I want to tell you about. I was, I was in prayer. Um, I, was, I was sitting in my backyard, and I was having a, what I would call a, I was praying a prayer of holy frustration, to put it nicely. Uh, and this is when you just come to a point where you're like, I'm going to be really honest with you, Jesus. Um, and you start telling him how you really feel. Um, you know, why is everything wrong? And why doesn't anything work? And, and, uh, and that time of holy frustration, I realized by the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit that I had allowed my personal value to be determined by my success. I had allowed my happiness to be determined by my success. And with a lack of success, there was a lack of value, and there was a lack of happiness. And that's why I was feeling so agitated. I realized, though I was doing a lot of good things, I was so focused on this isn't right, and this doesn't seem good, and this could be better, and I was so focused on all of this stuff, I had taken my eyes off of Jesus. I had taken my eyes off of the light. I had taken my eyes off of the hope. And in that moment while I was praying, I began to cry out to him, and I discovered that he still loved me. I realized that Jesus loves me. Trust me, I I knew this already. This wasn't news to me, but it was new. He loved me before, and he would love me after. He would love me if I was successful, and he would love me if I failed. He would love me if I did great things, and he'd love me if I made mistakes. And I just, it hit me that like, I might make mistakes, but I can't go wrong. I might do dumb things. I might miss opportunities. I might mess stuff up, but I can't go wrong because he loves me and he always will. And in that, I found such hope. I found such peace, such, such joy. Like, you know what? Who cares what happens? He loves me and it's going to be okay. Now, I know that your situation, you've probably gone through situations that were worse than that, that were darker than that. In fact, you might even be in a situation now that is darker than that one. That was just me feeling a little discouraged um, because my car was broken. You've probably faced things that are harder than that. But I want to challenge you that the scripture is the same. The light is the same. The hope is the same no matter what you are going through, whether you're facing financial problems or the death of a loved one or sickness, the promise is the same. You will never walk in darkness. You will never walk in fear. You will never walk in worry if you are following Jesus. I'm reminded of the story of Peter, uh, one of my favorite disciples. He was one of the, the men, the 12 men who followed Jesus around. And in, uh, he's a lot of great stories, but this one particular story I'm reminded of They're out in a boat, and it gets real stormy, and Jesus comes walking on the water through the storm towards the boat, and Peter's in the boat, and for some idiotic reason, he steps out of the boat into the water in a storm. I don't know what he's thinking, but anyways, he steps out of the boat into the storm, and he sees Jesus, and he's walking away from the boat towards Jesus in the middle of a storm. This is incredible, right? But then, if you know the story, you know what happens. He looks, and he sees the waves, and he sees the wind, and he sees, what am I doing out here away from the boat? 
and he realizes the situation he's in, and he starts to sink because he took his focus off of Jesus. Now, Jesus rescues him and brings him back to the boat, but it's, that story is such a good reminder to us that as long as we keep our eyes on him, we're safe. As long as we keep our focus on him, we have hope we're going to make it. So I, I encourage you to put your focus on Jesus, but I also can, I encourage you to follow him. Now, one author who commented on this scripture noted it this way, like this, said that Jesus is a light to our feet and not our eyes only. He's a light to our feet and not our eyes only, meaning we don't just look at him and go, yes, Jesus, he's good. We have to do something. We have to walk. We have to step out. We have to follow him. The first step uh, the first step in following Jesus is just to focus on him, to see him. But then you need to start taking steps and keep taking steps. So I want to give you this. If you're going through a dark season in life right now, if you're facing fear or worry or doubt or confusion, just follow Jesus one step at a time. Just follow Jesus one step at a time. You don't have to figure out how am I getting out of this? Where does this go? How do I get out of this? You're just saying, I'm going to take one step at a time. If you're afraid of a situation, just follow Jesus one step at a time. If you're dealing with pain and you're dealing with grief, just follow Jesus one step at a time. You're confused about your future and what's coming next. Just follow Jesus one step at a time. So, when I was in the crawl space down here, making my way towards that light, there were a couple of moments when I was just overwhelmed with claustrophobia, which is the fear of small spaces. Also, not my greatest fear. But in that moment, I felt what it's like to have like a claustrophobic panic attack, where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe, and I can't see anything, and I'm never going to get out of here, and I'm going to die in here. And I started thinking... Do you think I could punch through this drywall ceiling? Do you think I, do you think, I, and like, seriously, like one gasp of fresh air and I would be fine, but I'm down here and I'm just like starting to freak out. Also, just for fun, there's nails that stick up through the ceiling and, it, and it's just, it's a little bit of a terrifying situation. And then like you're twisting and turning muscles in my body that I didn't even know were in there are suddenly like crying out in pain and I just want to give up. But I'm like, you can't give up. And of course, I don't want to say anything because John would never let me forget that, so I pretend like, no, nah, I'm good. Um, but inside, I'm freaking out, and I keep telling myself, just keep moving towards the light. Just keep moving towards the light. Don't stop here, because you won't like it if you stop here. Just keep moving to the light. Don't think about how far you have to go, and don't think about the fact you need to go back after you get there. Just keep moving towards the light. Don't focus on what's around you. Focus on the light. And that's what I did, and then was able to do that. Um, but there's such a, such a good truth in there. When you're in that dark season, just keep moving towards the light. So, so far we've been talking about light and darkness, and it's been very metaphorical. But let's get practical for a minute. What does it mean when I say follow Jesus? What am I talking about? What are the practical things? And I want to make it really simple and say, do the things you see Jesus doing. And 
you know, that might be oversimplifying it to say just do Jesus kinds of things. But honestly, I think we overcomplicate it sometimes, and I feel like we make it harder than it needs to be. And all he's asking us to do what we see him doing. Just do what you see Jesus doing. That's how you follow somebody, right? Um, so if you're new to this, my advice is read a gospel. Read the book of Matthew, because that's a story of Jesus, and you can see the things that he did. Just do those things. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of things really quickly. Um, he spent a lot of time in prayer. Uh, sometimes it was publicly he prayed, but a lot of times it would say he went away for prayer. And he was, when you see some of the prayers, he was very honest with the Father. He was, he was acquainted with this prayer of frustration um, that I talked about. So if you're, if you're in that, that season of worry or doubt or fear, spend a little time in prayer, because that's what Jesus did. But also, he worshiped the Father. You know, whenever he spoke of the Father, he spoke uh, very highly. He honored the Father. And so I would encourage you, if you're in a dark place, spend some time in worship. Maybe that means coming here on Sunday and singing with us. Maybe that means, uh, you know, turning on the radio or something. Somehow turn your heart back to how good he is. The other thing I notice as, as I look at the Gospels is Jesus was constantly surrounded by community. There are very few instances where he's alone, um, but those instances always end with him coming back. He had three close friends. He had 12 disciples. He had a following that followed him. He was always in community and building community. And so that's another piece of advice I'll give you. If you're following Jesus, get in a community. Don't do it alone. Following Jesus is a team sport. We do this better together. Uh, so get with some other people. And lastly, this blows me away when I see this, but like Jesus loved others. He always loved others. Even when he was going through something dark. You know, I think we, we feel like, all right, I'm doing good. I'm going to be kind to people today. I'm going to be helpful to people. Maybe I'll go out of my way to do something nice for somebody else. But then if I have a bad day and I'm having problems and I'm upset with somebody else, then like, Hey, I can't be bothered to help somebody else. I got my own stuff today, right? We look at Jesus. So the night that he was arrested, he was betrayed by a close friend, and he was arrested, wrongly convicted, and killed. That night is the night when he was eating dinner with his students, we'll call them, and he gets down on his hands and knees, and he washes the nasty feet of his students of his followers. He's serving and loving even when he knows he's about to die. So that's another advice I would give you. If you're going through a dark time, a dark season, continue to love others. Continue to serve others because this is what Jesus did. Loving others is one of the clearest ways that we follow him, follow Jesus. So if we take these small steps in dark seasons, we will have hope. And I know that that is a bold promise to make you. I'm telling you, no matter what horrendous, terrible, difficult thing you're facing, just pray and love others and you'll have hope. I know that's like a bold thing to say. But I don't hesitate to say it. Do you know why? Because Jesus said it. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust Jesus. I'm not asking you to trust our church, or our way of doing things, I'm saying, trust Jesus. Trust in him. He is the light. He is the hope. 
Follow him, and you will never have darkness. Um, I'm going to close this morning, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Um, what I'll do is I'll say a quick prayer to wrap up the service. Um, and then I wanted to give you an opportunity. If you want to, the altar will be open here. Uh, maybe you're in one of, one of those seasons. Maybe you're in a season where you're unsure about the future. Maybe you're worried about something that's happening or going on. Maybe you're grieving something. Maybe you're scared of something. Take a moment and refocus your eyes on Jesus. So the altar will be open as I, as I pray. Uh, there will be a few leaders up here who will pray with you if you would like, like prayer. Um, if you want to just take a moment, you can. I do ask when I, when I close that when you leave, you leave quietly if there are those who are praying. So, Jesus, we thank you so much that you are our hope. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our light. And this morning, we put our focus back on you, and we trust in you. We don't look at the storms. We don't look at the things around us. We look at you. I pray that you would give us grace and strength to, step, to follow you one step at a time. In your name, amen. Amen. Like I said, you are released to go. If you'd like to come to the altar, you are more than welcome to. We're happy to pray with you.